0: All right, well, with that said, um, for about a month, as we've started this uh, kind of series of discovery, um, really felt like that's a theme for the new year. And I shared it with you the first Sunday of, 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 not March yet, but um, January. And I was thinking in through January, February, March, we'll just probably stay on that. Different dimensions and facets of God that there are to discover, and when you start talking about discovering God, that said um, that th- that's a forever process because here in this time that we have with finite minds, we only begin to grasp and understand just a small a small portion of the fullness of who God is and the fullness of his his grace in our lives so one of the thoughts that I had was about to Uh, do a couple weeks or so on grace. And so when Rodney told me he was gonna do on grace, I go right on. I love it, I love it, I love it. And so what I wanna do is just continuing uh, to continue today and next week um, on the same theme of grace. As you know, last week, Rodney uh, didn't begin to have time to get to all of the things that, that he could have and wanted to share. Um, but it was, it was really, really good. And it was uh, just refreshing. And I absolutely uh, found the Holy Spirit using much of the uh, teaching to refresh my heart and reorient sometimes my, actually my thinking. So <clears throat> that was grace. So I've, I've entitled this message, Discovering Our Grace. Next week will be part two of it. And so <clears throat> you may wonder why am I using the term our grace? Um, I think that will become clear as we move along. Um, I'm gonna do just a quick review of about three things that Rodney shared with us just to orient us and to remind for those who have been, were here, and for those who may have not have been here. um, Grace um, is a term uh, that was used in the classical Greek culture of the day. And like other terms that we have in the Bible, Um, the writers would use terminology when speaking with the Jewish people would use terminology that was very well understood in the Jewish culture of the day and within the Hebrew language. And so some terms to be used. And so Paul, of course, um, uh, actually was a Jew himself. And so he understood Hebrew and he also knew the Jewish language, but Paul was also well-schooled in in understanding of Greek um, philosophy, Greek literature, and the like, and the arts and such. And so some of the terms we have in scripture are simply adapted from Greek culture and kind of hooked up to try to express and convey a particular line of thought regarding God, who He is, and His relation with mankind. And so, for example, we're limited sometimes in language. For example, in the English language, we have this word we call love. And uh, we have the word we call love, but people of other cultures and other nations, particularly as they're learning the English language, laugh at us. They think we're a little bit silly. And uh, I've had uh, literally several people from other nations and who learn our language say, You say, you guys are crazy. You say you love your wife, but you also love your dog. And then you say you love the mountains. And then you say you love food. And then you, say you love your cat. Oh, you love your bird. Oh, but I love my spouse. Oh, and I love my children. And so we just kind of ramble on all these things we love. Now in our minds, those of us who are raised in our culture, we're able to distinguish the different dimensions or aspect of love, okay? But as far as our English language goes, it's difficult. For example, in the Greek language, there are four different words. And we won't look at them today. We might do that actually at another time, discovering our love. But there are four basic terms that are used for what we just all summarize in one word, love. And so this is some of the challenge that we have uh, and translators have when you translate the Bible into a different language because you're trying to find the appropriate language. And so translators, mere humans they are, have been and are today, grapple with these things. That's part in part why we have different versions of the Bible in the attempt to better uh, acquaint us with who the Lord is and what was actually intended to be conveyed, okay? And then sometimes on the part of the reader, sometimes we read things from the context of our own familiarity in the culture in which we live, of course, which includes a given uh, primary language. And so you can have people from around the world and they can read a certain passage of scripture and they come up with a different response as to what it means to them. Interestingly, that happens between us who all grew up in the same culture. Because our understanding of what we grasp or what we draw upon has somewhat to do with our personal experience in life, our experience with God, our experience with people, um, our knowledge. Some of us have greater or lesser degrees of knowledge in any given area of life, right? And so a person that has maybe a very, very limited understanding, of a knowledge of God, of a Scripture, immediately say, oh, this is what it means. Somebody else goes, where did you get that? See? And so sometimes that we need to familiarize ourselves with the cultures of the day in which things were written too. So I don't want to make, sound, make it sound overly complicated, but they are all factors that we have to consider. So we wanna talk about grace And um, Rodney did uh, use this, and he had it on a slide. I want to use it again too, just to kind of a bit uh, uh, center us. Grace is God's empowerment, God's enabling presence, and God's abundant supply. You know, we could take each one of those and just really spend a lot of time on them, and we probably won't because some of it's somewhat explanatory, self-explanatory. But what I really want to focus on is more to this relational aspect of grace because uh, <clears throat> God not only gives grace, okay? But God is grace, okay? Let's, 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 let's rehearse that in our minds. God not only gives grace, but He is grace. Because you see, whatever God gives flows from who He is. Just like the reason that we can feel love from God the reason that God can give love because He is love. Does that make sense? Okay, so we as humankind experience facets and dimensions simply of who God is. It's not like God just randomly goes, I'm gonna grab something out of thin air and I'm gonna create something and throw it their way. No, okay? All of creation came out of his very being. And so, when you think of grace and all these different terms, the beautiful things, and, and the Bible talks about the riches of his grace, it's talking about the facets and the dimensions and the depths and the heights of God's grace. And so, in a lifetime, we can't even begin to grasp, let alone understand. How many of you know that sometimes is we have certain measures of kinds of experiences spiritually that we don't understand and we can't get, we don't have words to try to express or explain what we mean. How many of you ever were in that place? How many of you were ever you're telling a story with a friend and you're an encounter you had with God and you're going like, I, I just don't know how to say it. It was, but it was amazing. and. I don't know how many times I've listened to people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably into the thousands over my lifetime, sharing me, with me and I go, no, I, I don't exactly know what you felt as such, but I understand it conceptually. It was something almost like too amazing to put into words. We actually have some of that in human relationships, okay? Sometimes within human relationship, there is such beauty, richness, and depth that, words of our language fail to fully describe and express what we just experienced. All right? So remember, God is grace. Grace is God. Because it is who He is at the very foundation of His being. So grace is God's presence and power. This was something that Rodney shared last week that was good. And then he, he shared a quote by James Ryle. He's a prolific author, pastor. And Ryle said, grace is the empowering presence of God enabling you to be who he created you to be and to do what he's called you to do. And think about this. Every thought of God, of God is love, is grace. I could just go on to use other terms, but I don't want to get us off track. Every word that God has ever spoken that has come out of his heart and mouth is, comes out of love, comes out of grace. It was free grace that, in, that formed man of the dust of the ground. And I like to put it this way, and, he, and breathed into him a living soul and stamped on that soul the image of God putting all things under His feet. Grace actually pervades all of creation and is universally present. There's nowhere you can go and step outside of His presence. Therefore, there's nowhere you can go in this world and step outside of His grace. God is everywhere present because all of creation of the universe has flowed out of him. It's still expanding by the way, far beyond what man can even see and understand. So grace, you understand, is not just a gift that God produces and packages and and, and he just kind of sends it our way. Remember, grace is not a commodity that he produces and hands out to those deemed worthy and who say the right prayer. God is grace. Grace is God. God is love. Love is God. Pure love, untainted love is God. Grace is God. So grace is what? The essence of his being and of his nature. That's why we feel empowered by God. We call that grace is empowerment because it's really himself with us. And he is with us right now in this moment, present by his spirit. Okay, so we feel empowered in our worship time and coming to the table of the Lord. I'm just feeling, actually physically feeling, externally feeling. It's like this glorious presence all about me, rising up within me. No surprise because God's with me by His Spirit. He's in me, He's around me, and He's always there. You see, wherever God is present, there is grace and wherever there's grace, know this, there's God. Grace is what brought creation into existence. It's the expression of His kindness, expression of His His power, His omnipotence. And so that is what brought creation into existence. And, And the universe is grace on display with awe and grandeur. The universe is grace on display. Let's put up the next slide there. This is just simply a little slide here showing the eight planets within our solar system. And somebody will say, well, yeah, come on. There's nine, there's Pluto. You know, the big guys that study this field say, you know, Pluto, he's kind of the dwarf planet. We don't name him among the great eight, but whatever, there's Mercury, Venus, earth, then there's Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Saturn and uh, Uranus, Neptune. And uh, that's what we have here illustrated. Now get this, this is just an example of God's grace at work. Astronomers have discovered, 5,502 planets around other stars, just in the Milky Way alone. Add in the eight in our solar system, and that gives us a total of 5,510 known planets located just within our own galaxy. Next slide, it's estimated that there are between 200 billion to 2 trillion galaxies in the observable universe. We live within one, 2 billion up to 2 trillion. God's grace. God is everywhere present. He's not hanging out in just one little corner of the universe. You know, most of us, most of the time are pretty earthbound. We think it's a big deal to get on a plane and travel a thousand miles or 3000 better yet to Hawaii in the winter or to Florida or wherever where it's warm, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's fun, that's cool. But you start thinking about the galaxies this is a display of God's love, His life, and His grace. Most galaxies actually are a thousand to 100,000 parasecs in diameter. That's 3,000, anywhere from 3,000 to 300,000 light years. You all did your homework, right? You know what a light year is. So we're talking about this infinite God that goes beyond what we can what we can actually measure accurately. Years ago, Danette and I went over here to the Evergreen IMAX. How many of you ever been over there? Yeah. So we were over to Evergreen IMAX and Danette and I are trying to remember it. We think it was the movie, uh, Hubble. Yes. It was Hubble, Hubble Hubble 3D. Yeah, yeah. You were there too, right? Yeah, Hubble 3D. Now, if any of you have never been to an IMAX theater, you owe it to yourself. It is an amazing experience in 3D. Life begins to take on a new dimension of perspective. Well, Hubble 3D was really where you are in outer space in the space station, and they're hooking up with Hubble that explores the universe and making some repairs and such, but there you are on location in outer space and you look back and you see earth and you look out and you see the other planets. And there you are, it is absolutely surreal. This is not something that's created in a studio. This is real life footage, okay? And the more that that went on, I am experiencing the glorious presence of the Lord. As powerful as anything I've ever experienced any other place, including the most powerful church meeting where nobody could even walk or stand hardly. you in the theater, why? I was experiencing the grace of God as my eyes and all of my senses were beholding the immensity of God and who he is. And it was expression, a beautiful expression that there's hardly words in my vocabulary to describe what I experienced that day when the movie was all done. The lights came on in the theater. And we all just sat there. Nobody wanted to move. God was so powerfully present with us. You know, many, many day times in our history, in our gatherings, we've had those moments when God's presence was so real, so tangible, so powerful that nobody would literally move. We've had rooms full of, uh, in years gone by, where you're full of children, that, that even the children hardly even make a sound. They're just, everybody, we're just all like, oh, I don't even wanna move. You sense the nearness of God and the holiness and the glory of his presence. It just feels weighty. That's the way I felt at the theater. See, if we go down the line of thinking, secular versus sacred, you're gonna miss out. Unfortunately, that's kind of how I was raised to understand. Well, this is spiritual, but this is secular. Oh, this is sacred, but this is secular. What? Didn't Jesus say, I'm always with you, I will never leave you? Is God not all powerful? Is He not everywhere present? Or is he only show up when we say or do the right thing? The scripture reminds us in Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation for by him, all things were created. I know I read this scripture a lot because I think it's so important that we keep contextualizing life in, 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 in and that, that this really is before us in all of our understanding. He created both in the heavens and the earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, for him. He is before him, uh, before all things and in him, all things hold together. The whole universe, he's got the whole world He's got the whole universe in his hands. It's in his hands and it's in his heart. Grace is God's presence and power throughout the universe. It's grace that brought creation into existence. Have you ever thought about (coughs) creation being an expression of grace. Creation really is God's grace on full display. The other day, I'm taking uh, Roddy and Mary Hogue back to the airport. It's one of those beautiful clear mornings and Mount Hood is in full view all the way up to PDX, most of the way you can see it. You know, I'm wanting to stay on the road So we all live, but I'm wanting to keep looking. So sometimes when Danette and I are together and there's something really, really beautiful and I'm driving, I say, Danette, you gotta look at that. I promise if you look, I'll drive. But if you don't look, then I'm gonna have to look. So look for me (laughs) and I'll stay on the road. (laughs) Okay, okay, what's it like? What are you seeing over there? Oh, it's this beautiful herd of elk. Oh, really? Wow. A glance. There's a log truck. Just a glance at the elk. Christ Jesus holds all things together. How many times have you stood by a mountain stream, listening to the sound of water tumbling over the rocks, and then on down into a quiet pool, and you stand there? Somewhat mesmerized. You feel something. Your senses just begin to go, wow. Or maybe you go to this awesome falls, waterfalls. I've been privileged to be at Niagara Falls a couple times. It's an awesome sight, it's an experience. It's not a sight, it's an experience. Every last time I was there was, oh, I don't know how many years ago now, but <clears throat> we didn't want to leave. <clears throat> we just wanted to stay there. You just come mesmerized. It's about 850 feet, I believe, across. Water goes down, falls on the rocks at about 100 feet. And then it's about another 50 feet to the river. And, and, and you got the American Falls and, and such there. And, and it's just a, a sight and a sound and experience that is mesmerizing. Why? God's grace. It's all within him and out of him, however you wanna put it. I know that for some of you, it's on the mountain slope skiing. Yep, or snowboarding in fresh powder. I was talking with one of our friends here a couple of weeks ago and, and it was just like, it was such good powder. <laughs> And when you're up on the mountain and you're skiing, you feel close to heaven. Right, Justin? Snowboarding? This guy likes snowboarding. He feels just, it's, 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 it's heavenly. Why, because you're at a higher elevation? No, because it's God's grace. It's an expression of who he is. That's why we go, isn't that beautiful? That which is beauty came out of the being of God and the an expression of who He is. Wherever we go in this world, some of you love the beach now and then, particularly the summer months. We'll just get in our car, just drive down, sit in the parking lot. Listen to the surf and the sounds of children playing and the beautiful kites waving in the sky. Mesmerized, feeling God all over, rising up within. It's like healing to the soul, it's grace. Some of you have pets. Some of you have cat or cats, plural. Some of you have a dog or dogs. Some of you have maybe horse, pet pig, maybe, I don't know. Bird, maybe fish. Aren't pets so therapeutic? Why? Expression of God's grace. You feel empowered. When that little putty cat comes and nestles down on your lap, you just go, oh, isn't she pretty? You pet her and she starts purring and you just feel relaxation. You're feeling God's grace. Trust me, that's what it is. When cats created by God, I know the version he created may look a little different than what we have nowadays with all the the breeding of animals and pets, but but really, it still came out of the heart of God. How about your favorite dog? If your dog's not there when you get home, his house is gonna feel empty, right? I don't have a cat, don't have a dog, no pet pig, no horses but I do have three little fish. (laughs) We have three little fish. Danette and I picked them out. Three different varieties of little goldfish, only about that long. They're growing on us. I just got them last summer. You know what I do every morning? As Soon as I get up, I walk to the house and over to the breakfast nook. And right outside the breakfast nook is a little waterfalls feature and a little pond with goldfish. I'm looking for my fish. I go, I gotta go find my fish. Where'd my fish go? I get the food, open the patio door, slip out onto the patio, walk over to the pool The other morning, I have this uh, little fake log in there where they can go hide out. And all three of them were in there, inside that morning. It was still pretty early, it wasn't much after uh, dawn. And one is like pure, really like a strong orange, gold. And the others looked very different. And his little nose was peeking out. Took the food, threw it out on the water. And they came to greet me. (laughs) And what do I do every morning? I go in the house and say, Jeanette, the fish are out this morning. They're so excited to see me. And my heart is delighted. Just like you people with your dogs or cats or pet pig. You see what I'm trying to say? Sometimes we in our backgrounds have used the term grace. and We think of it in this churchy sense. That was kind of my understanding. Well, it's just kind of this inner spiritual thing that God gives us grace, yeah. And I think of it always kind of in the context of, well, when I'm really spiritually focused and hold it, hold it. When I'm out by the mountain stream, I'm spiritually focused. I'm seeing expression of God's grace and can just engage in a true heart of worship. I don't need a red-shirted guitarist. But we love him too. He's an expression of God's grace. I wanna shift a bit to humankind. Grace is God's presence with all peoples of the earth. God is in the depths of the Amazon forest. I've been tracking lately, a, a, a dear, uh, some dear friends of town here and uh, they are, live here in McMinnville and they're I like day 19 of this South America trip. And uh, <clears throat> she, the lady was interim pastor here in town for some time, actually over at St. Barnabas. And I I, I saw it on Facebook and I'm going, in the depths of the Amazon jungles, there they are. Had to go for miles in this little canoe-like thing up the river and walk in and do And you look at the beauty of the rainforest. It's an expression of God, love, power, grace, call it what you will. It's really, and, and God's presence is there. You, you can go over to the other side of the world sense and see God's presence at work. go to the people in the most isolated places and, and and you know before missionaries even got there, God's presence was there. They just didn't realize or have any understanding maybe of who God was, although most have some sense of some kind of a of a being or higher power. Most peoples of the earth do. They just don't not quite shut their not sure what to do with this inner desire to worship. So sometimes maybe they'll create an idol in some places because they don't know what else to do, but I have this sense I need to worship. I think sometimes uh, <clears throat> most commonly, like when I grew up, I thought of grace more in the context as something that God gives you when you make a decision to receive Christ. And then it's his grace then through faith that saves you. Yes, but what a narrow, very limited, sad understanding of that's what grace is. That's a beautiful, significant, important part of grace. That's what I'm really trying to communicate. Grace created and birthed human beings and bestowed within us the divine image of our God, giving us a desire to know our creator. The desire within any human heart to know their creator is grace. I actually believe this, that grace prevents the total destruction of the divine image in us regardless of the sins that we humans may commit. If he's really God, you can't destroy God. The divine image and the imprint of God upon humanity and the human life is really God himself in and working through that person, even though the person may not even recognize God, may even curse the Lord, there's still an imprint there. They just don't recognize it. God doesn't run away from somebody because of their sin. The scriptures make it abundantly clear is that Jesus came into our darkness. That's where the light shines. It's in the darkness that you see light. And so grace is God's presence and power. It will be with us all of our days. And when our bodies become weak and tired and we physically die, where's God? Still with us. Even though we no longer have this body, he's still with the human soul What's going to happen to that human soul? Whether that human soul believed in Christ in this earth or not, that human soul is going to be raised up and resurrected. Jesus made it pretty clear. Doesn't matter what your understanding of God was, there's going to be some kind of a resurrection. And then we come before the cleansing fires of God's judgment. That could be pretty tough. It could be very actually painful. A hellish experience for some. So there's no scriptural support that would suggest that God's nature changes when a person dies. He is love. He is grace. Grace is God. He always will be that. And how I live or don't live on this earth does not change the nature of God. He is God, had the first word, and he will be all in all. His heart is always being extended. It's gonna be grace that gives us a glorified body at the resurrection. Grace has always been with us and always will be. You can't escape the presence of God if you tried. Many have tried and they have failed. Did you know that grace is with our Muslim friends around the globe? Are they not created beings of God as you are? Do all Muslims recognize God's grace in the like manner and understanding that we do through Christ? No, not necessarily. God is still with them, grace is there. Isn't there hope for their salvation to be experienced in Christ? Of course. Does God say, well, because you are of a religion that is different than what the New Testament scriptures speak in Christ, therefore, no grace for you. No, no, we don't create grace. It is the very being of God and he offers himself and he comes nearest. And even when we're our darkest times and feel distant from God, he's not distant from us. And we may not even have time. We can kind of try to push God away and and, and maybe have no fellowship and connection with him. And you think he goes, boy, he's a pretty rough dude. I think I'm gonna stay away. I do understand fully and I've taught on this before where Paul says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. He's speaking specifically to Christians, to those of us who have yielded our hearts to Jesus Christ, that we want to honor the relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And since it's a very, very beautiful, tender relationship, yes, that's why Holy Spirit can be grieved in the sense of, that it seems like God apparently has some dimension of of emotion. We see that in scripture. There's some dimensions of emotion that God has. And so just like if I call you my friend, I naturally, even the guys with red shirts, I I, I just wanna, I, I don't, you know, I'm still drawn. My heart is there because it's my brother. He's my friend, right? Did you know that when anybody has a thought that there might be some kind of a being that I need to worship, that's grace at work. Oh, but they worship the wrong God. They read the Quran and now they're worshiping Allah. Must be demons. Whoa, chill out. Who gives a human the desire to wanna to worship God. I'm not gonna give the devil that kind of credit. The devil told Jesus, if you, if you bow down and worship me, then I'll give you all of this. But it's grace that stimulates the heart response to wanna to worship. And so people will gravitate towards that which they know. So if you're raised in a Muslim culture, it's very natural to what? Follow the way of Islam. That's just natural because that's what you're familiar with. That's what you know. That's why that people who are raised within uh, Christianity, generally they may not like fully yield to the Lordship of Christ. And I've seen individuals again and again who weren't yielded to the Lordship of Christ where it comes a point in their life where it's like, I think I'm kind of off track. Life isn't working too well. And, and they gravitate right, right back towards, towards Christ Jesus, okay? I think that, <clears throat> let's round it up here, but grace prevents, I think, the total destruction of God's likeness and divine image in every person. Paul made it so clear that nothing can separate one from the love of God. What is the nature of grace? It heals, it restores. Tons of scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, about God's healing love healing, grace, and restoration. And that's the nature of God. He heals and destroys um, <clears throat> and doesn't destroy. Ah, got to clarify that one. I got to share a quick experience with you. Uh, 2016, there were a few of us from here that went over to Cambodia, spent some time in Cambodia, went over and saw Mike and Vanji, who were living on the island of Borneo in a country called Brunei. We're there about almost six years. And we went to see him. That was really a special time. And, and they, it, Mike took us to this local mosque, beautiful, gorgeous mosque. And we were on the grounds and went and they allowed us to come in. We had to dress appropriately, etc. And we got to walk through it and actually go into the big, large room where, where the prayer time is. There was only a few people in there because it was like early afternoon. It wasn't at the daily call to prayer. Right? And we go in there and you know what all of our team felt? We stood there for a while. God's presence. Whoa. God followed us in there. I've heard people say, well, I'd never walk into one of those demon filled places. Well, you're giving the devil way too much credit. What I saw was the human beings, fellow human beings that God created and put his stamp on them, that came there that day, knelt down and went through their particular practice of prayer because there's some desire of the heart to want to worship the God that they have understanding of and that the Quran tells them about. Different perspective than I have, you have but I'm experiencing God while they are there moving through their prayer and seemingly full heart's devotion. And I'm experiencing God there, just like the IMAX theater, just like this morning. Not one person could ever catch the revelation of Christ and come to faith in our Lord, except that grace has been given to the person from conception, even before creation. Remember, God loved us even before creation, Ephesians 1. Guess what? He is also full of grace and all intention to manifest his grace. Let me read you just one last scripture. Okay, let me read this. Grace is God's presence to create, to heal, forgive, reconcile, and transform human hearts, communities, and the entire creation. God's nature never changes. Remember, grace isn't something that God has to manufacture and produce and send out. He is grace. It's his presence. It's who he is and he's near us. And we're gonna stop right there. There's something amazing about God's grace. And let's stand together this morning And I hope that we will all go away today. And whether you're watching a stadium full of people that are rooting for their team, or what? God's there present. He may not be named, but he'll be there. He'll be in your living room while you're watching. How many of you are... Like Super Bowl people, you like TV? Yeah, cool. I'm gonna watch. Yeah, Jordan and I have a little different opinions, but we're gonna watch. And uh, I think he's trying to say this is a prophetic declaration. Don't don't be deceived, guys. (laughs) But (laughs) but God is there. When you go to work in the workplace, you didn't all of a sudden become secular. You belong to God. His imprint is on you. His grace is with you in the workplace, even though not everybody else in the workplace acknowledges God. He's with you. His presence is there even in the rooms, in the business, the context, or wherever. So God, thank you so much for loving us. I'm asking, Lord, that you will really help us at a deep personal level catch the revelation of who you are in that context of a subject that we call grace. (sighs) Thank you that you are all we need. And that's why the apostle Paul says, your grace is sufficient. For whatever challenge we face, whatever glorious opportunity that we wanna take on, your grace is sufficient for all. And I'm grateful, Lord, for your grace, your amazing grace, that has captured my heart, the card of many friends in this world. And today, God, let us look at one another through the lens of love and grace, the lens of Jesus Christ. Let us look for the beauty of Christ, even if it's just in elementary form in another person. Let's appreciate. Let 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 us be ones who would agree with your heart, God, and not in any way feel a demeaning thought or ever speak any kind of a word that would tear down. But let us, let our speech be seasoned with grace that builds up. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everyone said amen. Amen.